This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next. I am Chris Bentliff, and I'm joined today by Baker Kearney, and he is the owner of GES AGM, which is sophisticated carbon and graphite solutions, but I really, Baker, want you to kind of walk us through that. We were just talking a minute ago and you said, well, actually we do this and this and that. So it's nice to meet you. Tell us a little bit about uh, your company and about what it does, what makes it special and who you do it for. Um, So we're a family company. Um, My grandfather started the company in 1958, primarily as a trader, um, trading Japanese graphite electrodes into the foundry and steel industry. Uh, my father took over the company in 1985, um, continuing as a graphite merchant, uh, selling graphite electrodes and also specialty graphite um, to machine shops, steel mills, foundries, etc. Um, in 2010, um, I started GES Brazil in Sao Paulo, uh, doing the same thing, trading graphite electrodes and specialty graphite um, in basically the similar business model. Nevertheless, it didn't really work very well. Um, we kind of hit a wall, which is a lot of struggle, uh, but we changed the business model. We ended up building a machine shop from ground up in Diadema, um, in the slums of outside of Sao Paulo, um, and started machining. So we started adding value, uh, in Brazil and eventually we got out of our funk and started doing pretty well. Um, in beginning of 2016 to make a very long story short, uh, my brother and I took over the whole company, um, and we bought a facility in Cleveland, Ohio uh, for machining. So we tried to keep going down the chain of machining graphite. So we sourced a lot of material machine shops. Now we're sourcing material for all our own machine shops. Um, One thing about machine shops is once you machine graphite, um, that graphite produces powder, turnings, byproduct. So we created a powder facility to further add value to that powder um, across the street, actually in Cleveland from our machining facility. So we have three main product lines, uh, our trading division is electrodes and specialty graphite for the foundry industry, steel mills and machine shops. We have the machining industry. Uh, we have machine shops at two in Brazil, one, two in the U S actually now. So we have a total of four machine shops, machining graphite, various applications. We sell in aerospace, um, you know, battery, uh, aluminum, uh, continuous casting, um, all types of applications, anything with molten metal, graphite's being used in as molds, basically. Um, the powder division sells in other markets. We sell in oil and gas, we sell in friction, we sell in lubricants, insulation. So we, you know, the good thing about our business is it's sustainably diversified. Um, and, you know, the main goal at the end of the day is to become sustainably profitable too. So once one market's down, another one picks you up because you're diversified across a lot of different places. So was that strategic uh, for you as you started to kind of go international and then you got started building machine shop? Was it like, and then started doing things with the powder? Were you thinking, look, we've got opportunities to do more here or did it just sort of organically happen that way? It kind of organically happened in a way, but it also was strategic on another instance because going forward right now, our, our biggest business model is, enhancing our machining capabilities because that creates more byproduct, which therefore creates more powder, cheap powder. And we can add value to that powder by milling it to submicron particle sizes. 
So, and you get a lot more value when you can produce that versus selling just your byproduct at every machine shop. So, um, our business model really flows all the way down to the powder for the most part. So, and it'll continue to grow that way too. What a great example of innovation and of seeing opportunities with what's already in front of you. You know, I'm almost thinking about, uh, uh, sawmills and how they're starting to now use sawdust as insulation, you know, something that used to be a waste or just a byproduct. Well, how can we do something with it? I think that that's uh, very interesting. And I'm sure that the applications as technologies and as use cases are getting more and more sophisticated, as you're talking about going down to the micro level of things, are only expanding, like the opportunities to do more and more. You're only seeing more and more possibilities. Is that true? No, absolutely. I mean, I think as um, the world becomes greener too, and we're moving towards more greener um, possibilities of producing materials, you're going to see a lot more of that. You're going to see wood chip waste, for example, be processed into carbon. Um, and then that, that gas will go back into producing power versus using more petroleum type products. Um, even in our instance, um, you know, we're trying to utilize as much waste as possible. I mean, we have loads of scrap that we buy from all the steel mills and foundries that they, we then reprocess into new parks. We crush for powder. We use all the byproduct here. So we try to utilize all of the waste that we possibly can. Um, therefore, if you don't, then you've got to utilize newer material where our product is a petroleum Coke-based product. So it doesn't get much dirtier than our product. So point out, it's cheap. If you're creating the waste already and you can use Correct. something rather than having to, to source it. When you went international... So when you kind of started in Brazil, was that your first move outside the U.S. or had you been, I don't know, doing international things uh, previous to that? Um, well, I was in MBA school when I started the company in Brazil. I was 25 years old, so I was fairly young um, and fairly stupid. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was my my first company I started was in Brazil. Um all I knew was Brazil at the beginning and Brazil is a very, very difficult environment. I mean, if you asked me today at 36, if I would do that again, I would say absolutely not. Wow. Um, it's a very, it was a big time struggle. I mean, it was hard enough to start up a company in the U S yet a foreign country like Brazil, where you have so many different types of taxes, import duties, you have import licenses, um, all sort of things that you have to deal with among others where, you know, you have safety issues too. Um, so, that was, you know, that was my first international plunge. The company was mine. My company in Brazil merged with my father's in 2015. I so I was alone for five years. Um, the Bra- Brazilian facility is actually pretty big. We have about 45 employees in Brazil today. Interesting. So, Has yeah. that, um, I mean, besides doing so much uh, innovation with product and finding new opportunities and then splintering into sort of new business initiatives. Now you're also international. Now you've got something to do in Germany and something in Brazil. You've got employees, you've got all the aspects and dynamics and sometimes challenges of international. How has that shaped? I love this idea where, look, if I could go back and do it, I wouldn't, but it's been successful or it's at least created opportunities for success. Has that changed I don't know, your perspective on the future of the of the company? Do you feel like we're only going to get larger with a gl- more global footprint? Uh, well, I don't know about getting larger with a global foot. I don't know how large I want to get because I don't like political um, bureaucracy within the company. Um, I've already experienced that in the last two years. Um, I am an entrepreneur. I 
I dislike a lot of corporate bureaucracy. Um, it's a problem for me, um, <laughs> especially when I really, the whole point of me doing this is I like to have fun and I like to enjoy the journey that I'm having with the people I'm working with. And it becomes a lot harder when you get a lot bigger. I, you know, uh, my guy, for example, in Brazil, he's, he's worked with me for 10 years. He's like a brother to me. Hmm. So it's, you know, these are real tight knit relationships that we have within the company. And it's, uh, it's, I wouldn't trade that any for anything. I mean, I say I would never do Brazil again, but I learned a lot of valuable lessons too. I mean, you really learn how to grind. Um, we struggled a lot. Um, you know, I built a relationship that I'll have forever, um, with the guy I worked with or do work with in Brazil currently. So it's, um, you can't regret what you've done in the past. I mean, obviously I would not want to openly go through that again, but you know, we did it and I think I'm better for it now. I think it's also created a more diverse work environment for our company as an overall too. We have 42 Brazilian employees. Uh, we have a very diverse workforce. Um, overall, we have a hundred people in our company, 42 are Brazilians. We also have a lot of diversity here in the U S as well. I mean, and I think when you work with, and do a lot of international business, you're a lot more open-minded and you're a lot more open-minded to hiring people that are different than you and that think different as well. And I think that's a very positive thing. So that's just fantastic insight, Baker. And, uh, what a great, I don't know, what a great sort of, uh, journey to be on and, and way to sort of evaluate or calibrate that journey and the, the lessons you've learned in the the opportunities as they come up and maybe have been different or harder than you would have thought, but have created these opportunities. Like you said, now you are who you are and the business is what it is uh, all because of those. I'm really interested in this family business dynamic. So you, your grandfather started the business. Did you grow up kind of thinking, yeah, one day I'll be doing this too, or no, you went off, started your own thing and it sort of happened to be that you and your father merged or how did that kind of go? Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, Pro CFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC financial flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com So my grandfather, my grandfather was a separate trading company. So I would not say there he is totally merged within us. My father started his own company in 1985. Okay. Makes a really good story to talk about how he started in 1958 and family was happily ever after, after that. But you know, with family businesses, that's never true. <laughs> um, or almost never true. If you do have a family business and it is perfect, uh, then I'm really happy for you because <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. Um, but uh, I never wanted to work in the family business, to be honest. Um, it was not something I wanted to do. Um, my father always wanted me to work in the family business. Um, and, you know, he had an opportunity. I started up a business in Brazil. I did my MBA presentation on starting a company in Brazil in 2010. He offered to fund it as my own separate company. He's, he always told me I was obsessed with having my own company. Um, but he also wanted me working with him. So, 
in 2010, I had my separate company. I struggled. Um, my, we had so, you know, economically it was tough in 2015, 2016. Um, and the two companies merged. My father made some management changes and basically told my, told me and my brother that we would run the company going forward, um, in the beginning of 2016. So that's kind of how it merged and how we, we went forward as uh, we went from there. The family, family business is a tough deal. Um, personal and professional blend. Um, and you know, it's, it's not, it's not my preferred way of working. I'll be honest. It's, it's tough. Um, there, there's a lot of intermixing, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm in a family business and I have to do what I got to do. Um, so, but what's interesting to me about that is, um, you know, there's some, some leaders of a family business who sort of were the heir to the throne, you know, and you went off and did your own thing, studied your own thing, had no interest in doing this thing, but it just organically sort of created this opportunity. And now it seems like, as you were describing to me earlier, I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Do you feel like you're doing what you love to do? Do you feel like you're energized uh, by the different things that you like to do? Or are you still finding your footing with some of that? Um, I mean, you have different stages. I mean, you know, this turnaround here in Cleveland has been very, very difficult for me. Um, I would much rather do startups than turnarounds. Um, I'm not a good culture guy. Um, I am, I'm very good as a startup leader entrepreneur that builds processes, picks his own people from the ground up and build from there. Uh, turn around, turning around a culture with a culture of people that are from a corporate environment has not been, been great. Um, today I'm more energized than I was a year ago. Um, you know, I'm doing more of the stuff that I want to be doing. Um, people tell me I'm doing too, getting into the details too much, but I don't know if I can really help that, um, in some ways. Um, but today I'm pretty energized. It, it goes year to year. Things change so dramatically. Um, uh, and, you know, things happen, people come and go sometimes, uh, it just, uh, it, it's a, di but it's a difficult thing because, you know, you can never really get away. Um, and right. with my personality, I can't just stop growing either. And that, that's, that's a problem. You know, you have people that continue to want to grow and then you have people that have lifestyle businesses and. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't be a lifestyle business. It's just not in my personality. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, I feel like that's a little bit of a segue to how Pro CFO Partners fits into all this for you. As you are the leader that you are, as you're running the business that you're running, different components, different aspects. I know you've been working with Holly Fardy, with Tom Sherman. Uh, both of those people are the smartest people in the room. Uh, for me, whenever I speak to them, I'm always blown away. Um, why did you choose... I don't know, a part-time or a fractional CFO situation rather than going out looking for, you know, a full-time kind of regular thing, or maybe you already have that, or maybe this is a complimentary relationship. Describe that a little bit to me if you can. So, you know, things evolve and things change and we adapt. Um, so, and I make mistakes <laughs> and I go back and I adapt and I, I change again. So, you know, over the last couple of years, um, I've used third parties a little bit, um, maybe because of my own naiveness or weaknesses or my 
lack of confidence in myself, possibly, um, you know, but, you know, now it's gotten to a point where we've, I've kind of figured out a formula of how to go with third parties. Um, I have not been the most successful with third parties. They have their advantages and disadvantages. Um, I found pro CFO in particular through my Vistage group. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Vistage or not. I am. Um, but Amy Daniels recommended Hallie because Hallie's in one of her groups as well. Um, because I needed some part-time fractional CFO help on some tasks and everything like that. Um, to be honest, I didn't really know where they were going to fit into the beginning. Um, they did do a strategic meeting with us last year, which Hallie did a fantastic job. She's super energetic. Um, I think she's really great. Um, and Tom was just learning, kind of learning about our business. He had just started last October or September or so. So he was fairly new and he was kind of learning about what we do and how we do things. Um, and of course I was skeptical about third parties last year. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I haven't had that much success with them. I mean, really the only other successful third party I've had was Marion Schoenfeld in Lincolnshire. Um, and you know, I've, I haven't done very well with IT third parties or HR third, third parties for numerous reasons. Um, but pro CFO has been really great uh, Tom Sherman. Um, I was skeptical at first on how they could help me, but he's done a really great job. I mean, I, you know, I think we've put him in a position to do a lot of different projects. We've automated a lot of our barring base, um, and covenant packages through Acumatica, which has been great. Um, our debt to equity ratios through Acumatica, um, he's leading our monthly strategic meetings right now. Um, and he's, he's helping, uh, John Proxa, who's my controller, um, kind of come along as well. Um, as well as helping Sharon with HR and IT. Wow. So he's kind of, he's kind of helping me on the side to try to bolster up. And so we can kind of scale some of these, uh, departments that we have. Um, and that, that's one of the weaknesses that I saw after talking to him was, you know, if we're going to do any more acquisitions and grow, we've got to be able to have our admin departments be able to scale. And Tom, Tom's really good at that. Um, and he's good at managing that sort of thing. And, you know, it's hard to find people that you can rely on to get things done. And Tom definitely gets things done. Um, and, you know, that's what I appreciate about what he can do. Um, and you might not, you might say, well, it's easy to find someone like Tom Sherman to come in and, and help you out and manage this and do what they want and be proactive. It's not that easy. Um, it's really not, it's really a difficult task to find someone to come in and do that. I'm so, so it's, that it's worked out for you. Has it freed up, I don't know, either some of your mental uh, space so that you can focus on some of the other things or has it introduced new ideas, new strategic ideas where you're thinking, Oh, we're going to do this differently than I would have thought because we're learning or thinking about or creating new initiatives around these things that Tom uh, is sort of helping us figure out? No, both. I mean, you know, he's helped with new ideas. Um, we're very open-minded here. So we like new ideas. We've automated our HR department quite a bit on the onboarding process. And Tom introduced software to, that, to do that, which was very beneficial. On the IT side, it's kind of a work in progress. <laughs> um, we're still working on that part. Um, but he's freed me up on the HR and IT part. And he's kind of mentored Sharon a little bit on how to take that over in the future. Um, my focus really has to be on our powder department and getting these trials going, getting this equipment up and running, um, 
I'm kind of semi in charge of the quality department at AGP right now, sorting materials and everything. So it's really important that I put all my focus there because that's where the value is. So he's, he's definitely freed me up on stuff. That's for sure. I'm so glad Baker Kearney is from uh, GES AGM. They are at GES-AGM.com. And Baker, you've been so transparent and honest and, and candid uh, with us uh, today. And I'm so grateful. I've really enjoyed our conversation and learning so much about you. I wish you all the best as you kind of continue your entrepreneurial journey. And as the business does all the many things the business is doing, um, I think it's in good hands. And, uh, and I hope you and your brother continue to have uh, a pretty exciting and, and educational journey. Yeah, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Baker. Hey, bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.